Today's Spot Track Recap is brought to you, as always, by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. They believe in empowering professional athletes and all entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about finances and wealth. Learn more by visiting morganstanley.com slash GSE. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. Welcome to a special edition of the Spot Track Podcast. We're joined again by NBA guru, development guru, Spot Track guru, Scott Allen. Scott, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, let's get around it a little bit here. Bouncing around to a bunch of sports. Uh, let's kind of pump the brakes on the NFL a little bit. We're about halfway through. The storylines are sort of writing themselves. I, I guess let's just say this about the NFL right now. Um, obviously, we're about we're four or five days here away from the trade deadline, so we're going to have some news um, kicking in within the next couple of days. Not that there hasn't been already, <laughs> but uh, let me put this to you. Any clear contenders in the NFL right now? Sort of, it's a funny season, right? Uh, yeah, real, real funny. I mean, the the contenders that we thought were mm-hmm. are taking a step back these last few weeks, and um, it, it's sort of. I mean, I guess this is why they play the games yeah. and see how things work out. I, I guess the only big contender would be New England at this point, right? Um, and, and I mean, that was a nice trade that they had to acquire a wide receiver to help them out. After... Necessary, too, with Josh Gordon going on IR, right? Right. And, I mean, even with the uh, onslaught that they had on uh, hmm. uh, the other the every, other night every week. against the Jets. <laughs> so, <laughs> every week. But, no, I, I think right now we're seeing they're, – they're the, they're the favorite, right? I mean, it's them. Yeah, they, yeah, I think they're the favorite. But right behind them is next man up type thing. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure people feel the same way about the 49ers that we do about the Patriots, and for obvious reasons. I mean, similar in terms of defensive uh, production this year. I mean, both just you know killing it out there. With the Bills, maybe third on that list in terms of defense. So, from that side of the angle, those three teams are believable. I, I just don't think outside of the Patriots, anybody really has the package together to make us believe they can get to the finish line just yet. But it is interesting how things have sort of rolled out here. Uh, look at, I'm not going to go down and have, and have uh, a Patriots discussion on a weekly basis, even though really we could, that's they, they've earned it. It's the same old Patriots financially speaking. Uh, honestly, I, this is the same conversation we have every single year with Tom Brady and his contract with this mishmash of wide receivers and running back salaries that are, not average. They're all a little above average, right? I mean, Edelman makes a little bit more than average f- based on his production. All those running backs, even Michelle on his rookie contract, it's a little bit higher than what his production, you know, stands for. They're 11th in the league in active spending right now. That's that's about right. I, my guess is that's they dropped down to 12th or 13th after the trade deadline, and you know, with some moves that are going to be made, I bet they release Michael Bennett with all of his issues. Uh, that just seems like a headache they'll get rid of sooner than later. Um, so they're going to fall down close to that 15 mark, which is where they always are, right? I mean, they're, they're never mm-hmm. top 10. You know, defensively speaking, they're, they're spending some money this year. They went out and got some guys and, and extended some players. So you, you can sort of see that on the field. But, yeah, I have a tough time outside of the Patriots really believing in anybody right now. And, uh, you know, we'll see. The, the injuries are starting to pile up as well. One more NFL topic before we, we switch gears here. Any belief in this Patrick Mahomes stuff for Sunday? Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. Mahomes practices yesterday, mm-hmm. six days after his kneecap is 
out of his knee. <laughs> um, is this some showmanship from the Chiefs? Are they just sort of uh, putting this into the minds of Green Bay for to to uh, you know force them to game plan for Patrick Mahomes? There's no chance he plays, right? I don't think so. I think there is some uh, gamesmanship there where, you know, get inside their heads, but I, I don't think he is uh, got just doesn't make super, sense, right? super power, super, super blood to make him. Uh, wow. Well, he, he might go. Look, he might, he might, <laughs> even if he feels good, right? From a team and from a player standpoint, from a team standpoint, you're five and two. You're playing a non-divisional team in Green Bay. Granted, they're great, and that's a matchup you know the, the, everybody wants to see. You know, Rodgers versus Mahomes, but n- n- nobody internally can think like that. <laughs> I mean, you're you're not putting Patrick Mahomes on the field for ratings. You're just not doing that. And then from a player standpoint, let's not beat around the bush. This guy's got 150 million dollars guaranteed coming in the next eight months. Uh, you, we saw what happened with players like Kevin Durant, right? Who tried to go out there with a, with one injury that everybody said if they if he pushes it too hard on this injury, these other injuries could happen. And in the matter of eleven minutes with Kevin Durant, he had the other injury that everybody was talking about. You, mm-hmm. you just can you risk that if you're Patrick Mahomes and you know that you've you've got now got an ankle issue, a knee dislocation issue on the same leg. What are we what are we talking about here? Why, why would we even consider this? in week eight when your team is five and two and in first place and could stand to lose a game if they had to, right? Right. I, I think you got to think about the, the long-term future. You don't want to rush them back too mm-hmm. early where a Kevin Durant situation happens if and maybe he's out the rest of the season and then your playoffs are in jeopardy. Of course. Um, and, the, and that's I, just from the chiefs. Don't you think it's okay for Patrick Mahomes to say, I'm not going out there yet either. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at, we see this in the NBA constantly. Now, constantly the players speak up for themselves. They know their body. They know their situation. They know their business sense. Patrick Mahomes has to have some business sense here is, is my point in bringing this up on this show, because Look at he's the he's the fr- he's the front winner right now right he's the leader in the in the clubhouse well, right now he's the guy that all the other guys are are, are rooting for but number one because he's fun and he's a good dude but number two because he's gonna push the envelope financially for this entire league in the next ten months you know mm-hmm. yeah well and you know if, if he for some reason does trot out on the field those defensive players are in their mind they're going for going it. to be thinking about that knee it, so, and they're within their right minds to do so. Correct. Right. Not to mention so, you can, so, you game plan for a Patrick Mahomes that can't move. So doesn't that hurt your team? Right. I, I just think there's so right. many cons to this whole situation that for me, a smart guy like Andy Reid and, and that Chiefs organization that has done so well to sort of make this thing work for the last three years, I, they can't be seriously considering this. This just has to be smoke and mirrors, in my opinion. So just to, I wanted to touch on that because I'm concerned about you know the two hundred million dollar contract that is to come. <laughs> Uh, we can switch gears here, though. Let's talk. You want to talk baseball or basketball next? What should, what should we go with here? I'll give you the option, Scott. Uh, let's go with basketball. Yeah. We'll fly through some of these extensions that happened. And, and once you explain the, the essentially what happened last week with this rookie scale extension, what is it? What does it mean? What are the ramifications? And then obviously the uh, deals that got done. Yeah. So after the podcast on Monday, uh, a slew of agreements came through and then official they were official on that same day uh the the rookie scale extensions had to 
be done by 6 p.m. on Monday. And some guys that we saw get extensions were uh, players like Buddy Heald, mm-hmm. Torian Prince, Pascal Siakam, uh, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, and Jalen Brown, and uh, Murray with the Spurs. Let me just jump DeJounte in here. Murray. Just to explain sort of what this is, Scott, this is the Patrick Mahomes extension in basketball, right? A player on his rookie contract in the NFL right. can't be extended until after the third year which is where these NBA players are you just mentioned, mm-hmm. right? Jalen Brown right. just finished his third year with mm-hmm. the Celtics. Mahomes is in his third year right now. So after this year, there, there will be an extension available for Mahomes. The difference between the two, Scott, is the NBA has this deadline, right? This deadline to get these guys locked in. Right. And, mm-hmm. and uh, do, we, do we really know why? Why is there a hard deadline to, to extend these guys this offseason? I'm not sure the exact reason for the hard deadline, but the difference between this rookie scale and saying uh, a player signing a vet extension or signing um, as a free agent is there's no trade restriction on these players, but they did build in a loophole called the poison pill provision, which mathematically makes it really hard for the players to be traded if they tried. Um, So, but I, the reason we saw as many of these players mm-hmm. sign these extensions now is a couple reasons. One, they see the guaranteed money and they want to lock themselves up. Sure, that's the two, baseball situation right now. Two, the the restricted free agency for next season or next off season isn't looking as great as this past season because teams aren't going to have a significant amount of cap space to sign restricted free agents. So in in some of these instances, it's better for these players to just sign the guaranteed money that they know they can get from these teams and, and go from there. Uh, I would agree with all that. I'll add one caveat in though, because I took a look last night after we discussed uh, this topic that that UFA, that unrestricted free agency class is pretty weak. I mean, after a, you know, (laughs) A, a blockbuster offseason where trades and massive signings and literally the you know seven of the top ten players in the league moved, um, mm-hmm. you know next offseason uh, not so great right not not so much it, it, so it is but- so here's my here's my point here's where I want to get to with you a guy like uh, Demontis Sabonis or a Jalen Brown who may not be long for their own teams right I mean look at uh, I, I would I put Jalen Brown still on the trade block in my opinion. Uh, based on how Boston season works out, I know it's the poison pill will make it difficult and blah, blah, but isn't there part of you at least that, that wonders why some of these guys actually signed when UF they could essentially be the, the breadwinners of a UFA class next year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, Sabonis was a big name that was on the potential movement. um, And then they signed the extension similar to, uh, to an amount similar to, Miles Turner Brown I could see him potentially moving but again these guys would be restricted free agents and in order for a team to try to sign them they'd have to put in a a, a qualifying or a restricted offer and then that team such as Boston in Brown's case could match it and go from there right Um, and your point about your point about the lack of cap space is good whether they're right, restricted because, or unrestricted, they've got to have cap space to acquire them. And we saw that mess with Anthony Davis and, and all that last year, essentially, where you know you, you essentially had to gut your team to make a move. And that's going to be even exemplified this offseason, correct? Right. 
Yeah. So like in, in Brown's case, I mean, if his starting was uh, 20 million, mm-hmm. there would have to be someone with at least 20 million in space to for the first year to put in an offer and then structure it after, uh, from there. Sure. So uh, a lot of these guys, I think, jumped on it. And like you said, Sabonis, Brown, they could potentially be moved in the offseason once mm-hmm. the new uh, 2020 season kicks in. So it's not like these guys aren't tradable. And some of these contracts are actually may make them more tradable yeah. uh, for matching. Purposes. I was going to go there next, actually, because they're not all maxes, right? In fact, very few of them are maxes. Yeah, uh, Siakam was a max, and... Is that it? Uh, ben Simmons, of course. Well, Ben Simmons was too, but for the ones that were just signed this week, yeah. uh, Siakam was the only one, and he has some triggers in there that can get him. He's at the 25% right now, but there's triggers in there to get him to uh, 28, 29, 30% of the cap based on if he makes all NBA or is an MVP. So he does have inset- some incentives there to and I think get lo- that percent up. His his contract specifically makes a lot of sense, and I don't think anybody would argue with that. I mean, he's he's the guy there now, you know. Yes, I mean Kyle I Lowry may be traded. He you know he did sign the one year extension, but we'll see how his season plays out. He, in my opinion, he's on the trade block right now. Um, it's Siakam's team now to take over, so you can understand them maxing out on him and, and incentivizing that even further. So I I look at. The, the one that I'll say it, I, I mentioned it before. I'm still kind of flabbergasted. Ben Simmons got a max contract. I, I know that there's a lot of aura around him. He was a high draft mm-hmm. pick. He's an intangibles type player. But when, when are we going to stop rewarding financially guys like this? We've seen it in baseball. We've seen it in baseball. All right. I mean, you've got a. There's no more one trick ponies in baseball getting paid. I mean, it's especially in free agency. So. Uh, it just seems like, and I guess to some degree in football as well. I mean, if you're not a, a versatile player, especially in the in the positional, you know, the weapons, if you can't do more than one thing, right? If you're a blocking tight end or a, a two-down running back, you're no longer getting what other running backs and tight ends get. And I, I'm, I just don't understand why basketball sort of hasn't caught up to that. I, I understand that everybody gets paid in basketball right now, but did, did, a, did a team that has already maxed out, you know, Joel Embiid, which has tons of red flags. Did they have to max out Ben Simmons? Didn't have to. Guess they felt like they needed to after uh, missing out on some of those other high draft Because picks of the optics of it? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, do you agree with right. what I'm saying from a production I do. standpoint? I do. He's never going to be that kind of player. And there's, look at it, it's, it's pennies, right? If, if he got $5 million off a year instead of, you know, the max, that's pennies. But look at that's. When we're talking about teams that are up against the cap, and it's every team, by the way, literally every team, and it's going to be worse next year based on what you just you just said. Those every nickel and penny, you know, that goes into each contract, it it matters when it comes time to, you know, replace a guy who's injured or try to bring in a couple of veterans to go around the young kids. All all things that Philly will have to deal with eventually. I, I just I think that's a miss on Philadelphia in this team building process in their process, which they'd like to call it. I just think they they could have saved well, the, some, they could have bought themselves a couple of minimum veteran contracts by reducing the Simmons deal. I agree on that. And one of the things that we saw with some of these extensions that came in were they built in likely and unlikely incentives. Yeah, Buddy Heald, especially right? in, especially in the Buddy Heald. Yeah, I mean they have uh, eight million in likely incentives and twelve million of unlikely incentives, and some of the 
uh, incentives that came out per reports yesterday were 500,000 for making the all-star right. or 500,000 making the playoffs, making right? The playoffs. Yeah. I like right? that. So it's team, it's team based. Scott, I was going to so ask you about he, this. Is that, is that becoming more prevalent or is this sort of a new thing? The incentives have been there, but the, these incentives that we're seeing with getting, um, yeah, free throw percentage, making the pl- free throw yeah. percentage and making the playoffs. I mean, if, when you look at Kevin Durant, I was actually looking at his incentives because it was like, I, it, it caught me by surprise with, um, when I looked at it, he actually has an incentive, a, a likely incentive for this year, even though he's probably not playing at all the entire season, $1 million <laughs> likely incentive. If Brooklyn makes the playoffs incredible automatic without them and and there's and there's <laughs> there's four scenarios there where as long as one of them is triggered he automatically gets that likely incentive so the brooklyn sort of worked around and they and they did the incentives with irving to to try to make the space in there to get jordan to wow. maximize their their money but yeah you're with these deals you're seeing incentives built in so th- there there's a specific guaranteed base but there's the opportunity for those players to uh, get a higher amount based on how they perform yeah i mean obviously things we've seen in the other leagues more and more uh, no more than the N- nfl i think right now which is such an incentive-based situ- situation from a player to player standpoint so that's interesting uh i, I want to mention one thing also because uh you know we're talking about this buddy heel stuff and a lot of the numbers uh, we've got a pretty neat, neat new thing on the site. Uh, we did. We have a partnership with The Athletic, uh, Content Kings right now. I mean, they're just pumping out so many articles. And we're not, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, it's one of those things that we, we, we've sort of lacked on the website because we're, you know, we're numbers guys and we're crunching numbers on a daily basis here. And, you know, taking time to step away and write some articles that to kind of coincide with things was just becoming too much internally. So we... We have deferred essentially, and we now, uh, we this partnership allows us to host recent athletic articles on our website. In terms of a, a little teaser, you'll see, you know, on your phone, uh, right when you scroll onto a team page or onto a player page, or in the sidebar when you're on your computer. Every single team page, every single player page has the most updated athletic articles for that specific team. So, y- you know, you've got tons of incredible <laughs> writers from the sports world diving into two issues and a lot of them are financial based. I mean, it's just part of the conversation now. So, you know, we're happy to have that partnership. And I think it actually brings an element to spot track that we've been lacking, which is up to date, you know, real time content that coincides with our numbers. So we're, uh, we're happy to have that partnership. And I know Scott, you did a lot of work to get that up there. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Less writing for us, more talking, right? That's where we have to go now. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> more talking, <laughs> more more data. Uh, <laughs> let's finish with the with a little baseball. Uh, two yeah, things. Two things. We'll we'll spin down some free agency stuff a little bit here. But first, I know you're invested in the World Series. You're in the Virginia area. You're sort of a uh, transplanted Nats fan here. You're going to the game Friday, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, uh, Saturday. Yeah, I'm taking my. Uh, oh, you're, that's right. You're going. To, you're going to the the clinching game. Game. Game game four Saturday. I'm taking my seven year old son. I think you're crazy. You got to sell those tickets. Um, uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> no, you got to sell those tickets, man. Um, <laughs> look at old school series right now. Old school. It's kind of an old school postseason, but we've got two teams right now that are cranking out starting pitchers after a year where 
we just went through bullpen hell across the league. We just did. I mean, yeah. launch mm-hmm. angles and exit velocities and, and and changing mindsets and shifts and all that stuff have just turned this game into, you know, beat up on on pitchers who you can beat up on. And look at it's a lot easier to beat up on a guy who's got two pitches than a guy who's got four. And that's why bullpens got killed this year. And they're going to continue to get killed unless things things change. It's not a coincidence, right? <laughs> that the two teams in the World Series right now have ridiculous starting pitching. I mean, ridiculous. The the, the three versus three matchup, unbelievably. Um, and look at the Nats aren't even using their third as a starting pitcher. They're using him as a long reliever right now in Patrick Corbin, a guy they paid $140 million for this past offseason. So it, it, look at it. From a team-building standpoint, from a, from a, a playing standpoint, from a production standpoint, from a payroll standpoint, right? I mean, this just, we know this has always worked in the past. Paying for pitching, not paying for hitting. It's worked in the past. The proof is in the pudding right now in the World Series. These are two teams. And look, at Houston has started to pay for their their bats. Jose Altuve's salary jumps like $30 million next year, right? After being a ridiculous value for half a decade. Um, so, you know, you can only last so long on, on house money with these with these young bats, and the Nats have that right now, certainly, in Trey Turner and Robles and Juan Soto. So they've got a couple mm-hmm. of years to stretch this out. You know, it makes sense for them to have a high-paid starting pitching rotation, much as like Houston has had with Verlander and Grinky. Um, I just want to say this, because we're going to transition into the free agency system. Uh, teams that aren't thinking this way, they're not wrong, right? Because, look, it's, it's, it's not easy to get three great starting pitchers. You know, that's that's the conversation to have here. It's just not easy. I mean, the Mets have had it for six years and they've been to one World Series. So that's just me complaining about them. But it's it's not easy to do this. And you can do it via the, via the draft and hope that you hit lightning in a bottle all together. Right. Because you need a staff that, at one time. You can't just have one starting pitcher. Then you're just the Pittsburgh Pirates. Right. I mean, if that's all mm-hmm. you have, you're just that's just not enough ammunition to get you to the finish line. So you can draft. But my. In my opinion, teams that have one should go and pay for two. And that's just the way of the win. And we have a free agent class where you can get yourself two legitimate starting pitchers. Garrett Cole, Jake Odorizzi, Zach Wheeler, Madison Bumgarner, and Ryu out of the Dodgers. Those are legitimate one, number one, number two pitchers that are going to be available. And oh, by the way, I, I can't imagine it, but Steven Strasburg could be available as well. I... Uh, look at you're sitting down you're close to this team out there can we just say right now there's no chance he's leaving washington right uh, yeah i i i would i don't see him leaving. i think there's a chance he opts out and they oh, and I they so work too. some sort of clayton kershaw deal to get him back in right mhm yeah I, I i would see that happening yeah so i, I just I, I look at he's a west coast dude though I, right i think you have to keep that I think you got to. They have to do everything they can to try to keep that pitching core, especially after yes. what we've seen this off season or this postseason. Uh, because I mean, he was unbelievable yesterday. I mean, he was putting pitches where he wanted them, and he was able to essentially get them to a point where it was still two-two, and then you know their bullpen didn't implode on them. So because they weren't um, being used very much. Correct. Yeah. The starting pitchers are getting them further into the game where they don't have to have five relief pitchers. And then one of them just implodes on. Let let me, let me say it this way. Cause this is what's really interesting. And 
it's sort of it's it's hockey related. Everybody always says there's two seasons in hockey, right? There's the regular season, which nobody watches, <laughs> and, then, and then there's the postseason, which is not only crazy exciting; it's a completely different game. It, I mean, if you watch any regular season hockey, it's tempered, it's calculated. Sure, teams are trying to win and trying to score, but look at there's a lot of overtime. Is my point? There's a lot of overtime because there's not a lot of back and forth. Um, hockey, NHL postseason is just open up the floodgates and let's go hit somebody and let's play, let, you know, let's get crazy. We're sort of seeing that with, with baseball. Um, and it's been coming for a couple of years now, but it, you need to hit, right? You need to hit 300 home runs to get through the 162 game regular season. That's why the Yankees were successful. That's why the twins were successful. But the second October hits, <laughs> right? The the entire game switches. You now need three pitchers to, to stop guys from hitting doubles and getting to third base. And you need defensive catchers to keep guys from running all over you. It It's just a completely different mindset. And it's not just because of the teams we have in, the, in, in this postseason. It's just that's every postseason. The game turns the small ball in the postseason because mm-hmm. of weather. Uh, you know, there's a, there's many factors. But, you know, seven-game series aren't, aren't 162-game seasons. It's well, just, and- it's it's a different mindset, and your team has to be able to be built to handle not only the 162 and and hit the ball out of the park, but clamp down and stop guys from getting to second base, right? Right, and it's it's a matter of get a player on base because just the threat of having somebody on first base, no question, whether they're going to steal or not. I mean, Strasburg was throw into first base on uh, um, Alvarez who didn't steal a base all season, but he was still thrown into first just to make sure I know you're there. So it completely changes the, uh, the mindset of where the pitcher is because not only do they have to worry about pitching, pitching to who's on uh, at home plate, but who's on first or who's on second. And once you have that, I mean, the small ball, you, you get, two guys on base and you you right. get a into those corners i mean you're getting two runs in so and it, it is mean, certainly it, it, amplified because of the level of pitching we have and and look these are all number one essentially all number one overall picks i mean it's it's pretty unbelievable the six pitchers that that these teams are able to put out there right now in terms of starting the game and not many teams do have this kind of depth like i said but this is it. I mean, this is what you're striving for if you're a, a base, a major league baseball team. I mean, you can throw openers out there all regular season long. I mean, Tampa Bay did it, you know, mm-hmm. 25, 30% of the year. And, and the Cubs did it. There's a couple of teams that really did it prevalently. Even the Yankees did it a couple of times. Um, you can do that over the 162 to get by. And, uh, and to be quite frank, you should be doing that to preserve your starting pitching, right? If you're a good team that has starting pitching, you don't want to kill those guys during the 162. You, you just can't do it. You got to load manage those guys to use an NBA term, because this is because look at this is proof right here that those nobody matters more than your one number one, number two, and number three pitcher come October. So yeah, I, I, I give I these mean, front offices a lot of credit because it is it has got to be hell to to handle payrolls and and team build. If you know you're a contender in April, in March, in February, if you know you're put, what you have on paper right now is a contender, if you're the Yankees right now, right, if you, and you're turning the page to 2020, you've got to I, – I can't even imagine what the offer is going to be for Garrett Cole from the Yankees, right, or Zach Wheeler 
or right. Madison Bumgarner, right? I, it, mm-hmm. It's just a blank check, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, no team in the league knows more right now that's, that they were they were starting to pitch in deficient than the Yankees. They had everything else right. They had everything else correct in that team. They they could play small ball. They were built for the postseason. They just couldn't pitch, and I I'm excited to see what they can be. Even as a Mets fan, I'm excited to see what they can be because they've done a lot of things right in building that team with a Garrett Cole anchoring that that rotation. We'll see. Right. No, the last thing I was going to say is with with what you were saying with load management, I mean, mm-hmm. Max Scherzer, he was out uh, 42 days. Right, blessing so in disguise, right? <laughs> he Having him sit and rest in the middle of the season, granted it was an injury, but those were – days that he wasn't going through the grind right in the middle of the season and then he comes back and he had a couple uh games where he was getting that rust off and then come postseason he was ready to ready to go exactly yeah i I, we're gonna see it more and more i mean you and i have been to presentations where sleep deprivation and 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 the management of you know practices or warming even warming up even playing catch i mean we've there's all these the science out there that says you know everybody's doing way too much, right? Um, even at the age of nine, ten, eleven. So look at all that stuff's going to come to fruition eventually. We've seen baseball change so much because of data. That's coming. Look at we're not the only people sitting here talking about how much starting pitching matters. That's been people have been saying this for a hundred years, but we started to get away from that, right? Teams started to get cute because plugging a guy in here, even in the third inning, you know on paper looks better matchup wise. Uh, look, that's well, not, that's not what these teams are about. And that's not what many of these great teams have been about. These guys are about, we need seven innings out of Strasburg and, and Scherzer and Cole, or we're not worth a damn right now. Right. Well, and what if, and I'm sure there's going to be more tweaking with the starting pitchers as we've seen with the opener and that kind of stuff. But I wonder at what point teams decide to go with, four mm-hmm. highly paid pitchers but they pitch them four innings four innings and then a closer four innings four innings and then a closer where not, you're reducing how their pitch load during a game but then you can on the flip side have them run every third day instead of every fourth or fifth day yeah I, but you're paying those high starting pitchers so you're getting more usage out of them than just every fifth day or every fourth day. Right. I mean, we've seen Patrick Corbin come out of the bullpen in, what, the fifth inning a couple times this, this postseason? Yeah. I, I, I bet yeah, Washington would love to do that all year long. <laughs> right? I bet they love to do that all year long. But I, I don't know. I'm sure there's some smart science people out there that say even even on three days rest with the, with the limited innings in the game, you're still getting warmed up. You're still stretching the arm mm-hmm. out. So right. I, I, I wonder about that side of it. But, yeah, look at it's going to evolve because the starting pitchers are the most, they're the quarterbacks, right? They're the NFL quarterbacks right now. If you don't, but you need more than one. So it's interesting how these two teams have sort of brought that back to the forefront after a couple of years of teams trying to get cute with it, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Interesting series. Right. Have fun going Saturday. I'm, that might be a clinching game for you. So that's exciting stuff. All right. That's yeah, going to do it. Awesome. That's going to do it for this Friday recap. And uh, we want to thank our presenting sponsor, Morgan Stanley, global sports and entertainment. Empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about finances and wealth. Go to morganstanley.com slash GSE. We'll be back Monday with Kevin and Paul and a nice big long podcast. Thanks for listening.